Welcome to the Embracing You podcast with your host, Eric Pothen. We are all on our own unique journey to discovering ourselves. Each episode, I will help you navigate the journey within to reconnect with and discover the innate love you have for yourself. This podcast will cover topics from self-love to eating disorders and body image to mental health and to overall well-being. My goal is to help you honor and embrace yourself so you may live your most authentic life. Let's dive in. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Embracing You podcast. I hope you all had a fantastic holiday season, and I hope the year 2023 is off to a great start for you all. Um, I decided to take a little bit of a self-care break for the past couple of weeks, um, but I am back at it with this episode for you all, and today we have an incredibly special guest, and that is Miss Arizona, and here is just a little bit more information about who she is. Melody Pierce, 26, is a graduate of Arizona State University with a bachelor's degree in journalism. She currently works as an eating disorder recovery and body acceptance coach through her program, Steps Recovery. Recipient of the Miss Arizona Quality of Life Award for her service work, Melody is dedicated to aiding her community in the recovery of eating disorders and directs Arizona's chapter of the National Eating Disorder Awareness Walk. With her six years of experience in public relations, she is excited to connect with partners across Arizona throughout her year. Well, everybody, you are in for a treat because this conversation I had with Miss Arizona about her story of struggling with an eating disorder and what recovery looked like for her and what we can do in the space of recovery is absolutely incredible. So without further ado, let's dive in. All righty. Well, good morning, Melody. How are you doing today? Good morning. I am so good. I have my cup of coffee that I think you'll see throughout this <laughs> journey for us, but um, I'm doing really well, just awake and ready, ready to start the day. Wonderful. So thank you so much for your time, first of all. And so to start today's episode out, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, maybe what you do and what led you to do the work that you do today? Well, thank you so much for having me. First and foremost, I um, am Miss Arizona, which is kind of crazy. So I'm Miss Arizona with the Miss America organization. I actually just got home from competing at Miss America. And my platform with this program is STEPS Toward Eating Disorder Recovery and Awareness. And STEPS is an acronym that I created oh gosh, like 2018, somewhere around there. And it stands for Support, Talk, Educate, Prepare, and Strengthen. I personally struggled with an eating disorder at the age of 10 is when that started for me. And so I wanted to be able to advocate for eating disorders in my community. And I'll be honest, I was so scared when someone even brought that up. They were like, oh, your platform should be eating disorders. You have an eating disorder. I was terrified because it's just not something that people really talk about. And so I really knew that I could use the... um, foundation of Miss America and of being Miss Arizona to further this message out into the world and to be able to help people, which is really cool. That's incredible. So as someone who has also struggled with an eating disorder, it is so wonderful to be able to connect with an individual like yourself and to share this conversation with each other. 
You had just mentioned that it was a little bit nerve-wracking for you to have this be part of your platform as Miss Arizona. And so, my question for you and what I'm curious about is, what is it like to be a participant in pageants and have a history of living with an eating disorder? Do you find that there are still struggles that you experience in a space that you know might give attention to the way your body still looks as a member of these pageants? So, I'm just curious to know what that is like for you. When I started competing in the Miss America organization, we actually had a swimsuit phase of competition, which no longer exists. And I remember being really nervous because I was like, I, you know, at one point in time, put so much emphasis on my body and the way that I looked and was so nervous because like some of these girls were just stunning. And I was like, oh gosh, like I just, you know, I couldn't hold a candle to it. And I was really scared. And I think something though, I was in my recovery journey at that time and I was pretty secure where I was at with recovery. And I really looked at it as a way to celebrate my body. And so I was able to reframe something like a swimsuit competition and really think about it as like, okay, like this doesn't have to be about having abs or not. Cause I never did. I never do. I never have um, as a competitor. And I just thought of it as a way to celebrate. I was like, you know what, you've worked so hard to be in this body, to be alive even, and to, you know, overcome this huge obstacle. And so let's just celebrate that on stage. And so when I started competing, that's kind of the mindset that I took into it, which I think really helped. I also had the mindset of women in pageants and women in these competitions need help. And a lot of them are struggling with eating disorders and disordered eating and body image issues. And so I thought too, I was like, what a more perfect way to get involved. And if I can just help one person, that's enough. If there's one woman out there who needs me and who's in this competition and who's, you know, having a hard time with her body image today, if I can help her, like that's, that's me doing my job right there. Like I can rest easy. And so that's kind of the approach that I took to it as far as not looking so far inward of like my insecurity but more so saying how I could help and then how I could celebrate my body. Then um, a couple years ago, Miss America actually got rid of the swimsuit portion. So they worked to be more inclusive to all sizes, to all genders. And that was really important to me. And I was really, really, really excited to support this program through that transition and be able to celebrate the fact that now all body types can feel comfortable presenting what they want to on stage. All women can, you know, earn these scholarships and have these opportunities regardless of what they look like. That is so incredibly beautiful, and I am like really happy that the Miss America organization chose to take a step away from the swimsuit portion of the competition, and very much so promote, like you said, inclusivity, which I feel like, you know, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like when there was a swimsuit portion, that it could very much so marginalize women based upon what their bodies looked like. And I, I can only imagine the amount of pressure that there has been on these women who were competing when that was a part of the actual competition. So that makes me really, really happy to hear that this transition has been made. And I will say when I was competing, I was never told to be the skinniest. I was never told that I needed to look a certain way. Like even when swimsuit was a thing, like it wasn't the aura of the organization for people to focus on that. Like it was, 
it was way more about what you brought to the table, your advocacy, your heart for the program than it ever was about our body image. So it was really natural for us to transition away from that, which was really exciting. Um, but I never felt pressured to look a certain way, which was really positive, I think. And a great part about this organization is that it was women supporting each other in the bodies that we had and being able to just celebrate what we were bringing to the table regardless. And so that was something that also let me rest easy. But I'm so glad that, you know, if you look at a competition and you're like, oh, there's a swimsuit portion, that turns a lot of people away really fast. And so I'm really glad that we, you know, went the opposite direction and are able to accept all types of people and that people would get excited about the organization regardless of, you know, and just not let that deter them. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes me so incredibly happy. And I mean, I keep thinking about how brave it was for you to, you know, share your own struggle in opening the door in such a vulnerable way like that. And so I want to commend you on just how much bravery and courage that took for you to be able to do that. I kind of want to rewind here a little bit. And you said that you have a lived experience with struggling with an eating disorder. Would you mind sharing a little bit more of your story? Yes, of course. So I, addiction ran in my family. So both sides of my parents have addiction present. And so when I was growing up, I always knew like, let's stay away from drugs and alcohol. It was obviously very prevalent in my family culture. And I just didn't want to also become an addict. And I knew that that was how that happened. And so I was really good about staying away from those things growing up. And it was actually at the age of 10 that I lost my father to addiction, to his addiction. And um, I didn't really know how to deal with that. When you're 10 years old, you think your parents are invincible. You think that they own the planet and that everything's going to be okay all the time. And so to lose a parent at a very young age, it's very scary. And it really just like puts a lot into perspective in a little young mind where you're just like, wow, like I have no control over life or anything. And so I chose to gain control through eating and through food. And I struggled with anorexia um, and suffered with that for a very long time and very silently too, because I think something that individuals in society don't recognize is that dieting is praised and especially dieting in young women, dieting in young men, like any sort of weight loss, I think around those teen years is typically praised and it's, you know, people get excited about it. And so I was a dancer, I was a competitive dancer. And so I really was working on my athleticism and being able to perform. And so it was a very natural next step to the amount of weight that I was losing very rapidly and people weren't concerned. And that's something that I just really hope if anyone takes anything away is to get concerned about those types of things because it is, um, it's right in front of our faces a lot of the time. And we just don't see it because it's such a normalized, you know, activity. And so I, gained an eating disorder through my grief process and was trying to kind of figure out how to function without a father. And I thankfully have a stepfather now who's like my dad. He's the biggest supporter in my life. And I'm very, very grateful to have that because I know that that's not something that everyone gets the opportunity to then get a bonus parent. Um, but during the time I was struggling with that eating disorder and I didn't actually get help until I was about 16 years old. So I struggled silently for a very, very long time. And um, it was pretty bad. I was self-harming. I had depression, anxiety, and my eating disorder. So it was really quite the triad of things that were really impacting my body. And it wasn't until I was a, I was 16, so I think like sophomore, junior in high school. And one of our classmates, his name was Andy Hull, he died by suicide. 
And that was really scary because Andy was the sunshine of our campus. He was an athlete. He was incredibly popular. He was a really cute kid, like just really was the epitome of a well-rounded teenager. And so for him to lose his life to suicide, I was really scared because I was like, okay, I'm in a really dark place. And if someone as bright and as positive and as incredible as Andy can do this, like, what does that mean for kids like me? And so I got really nervous. And granted, I will say during this whole time, I was always a straight A student. I always was in all my extracurricular activities. I still danced full time. Like there was no like red flag. I will say like parental wise, it's not my parents' fault that they did not see this because I hit it pretty well. And that's the sneaky thing with eating disorders and mental health is that you can be sneaky with them and it's just, it, it can get really scary. So it wasn't until Andy's mom came to our school, um, and this was six months after Andy had passed away, it felt like the next day, and I still in my brain like feel like it was so recent to when he had passed, but it was actually six months after he had passed. She came into our school, and we had like a whole school assembly, and she stood on stage and she said, I never want your parent to have to stand in this spot. I never want your parent to have to be this person and to lose a child. And I bawled, and I was like just sitting in the bleachers, and I remember crying, 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 because I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want my mom to have to go through that. Like, she already lost her husband. And like, what if she loses her kid too? Like, I knew what grief felt like. And so I could empathize with the grief that Leanne was feeling. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do that to my mom. And so that's what ended up having, like, helping me get help was that conversation and her telling me that I mattered. So just something as simple as telling someone in your community that they matter, as telling someone that you care about them, you know, it's it can do wonders for people's lives. And so always feel, always reach out, always talk to other people. Like if you see someone on the street that looks like they're having a bad day, compliment them. Like it just does so much for individuals all across the nation and the world. So that's one big thing that I took away from that. But Anyways, I digress. We, uh, I, that night I went to my mom and I was like, Hey, I need help. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, this is what I've been doing. And I just kind of came clean and was like, this is what, this is what's up. And, uh, my mom was terrified. She was like, Oh my gosh, like, how did I not know? You know, she felt super guilty. She took a lot of blame and I was like, it's not your fault. Like, this was my decision. Like, this is how I was dealing with things. And, um, you know, you would have had no idea. And so we tried to get help and it was really hard back in 2016 or whenever this was. And it, it was really difficult. Like it was genuinely so difficult. We didn't have apps like we do today, like better help. We didn't have a lot of websites with resources. Like it was genuinely so difficult to be able to figure out how to get therapy. And so I remember that taking a couple months and I was able to then find a therapist and do a program and was able to fully recover. I'm still fully recovered to this day. I celebrated 10 years of recovery this year. Um, so I'll be celebrating 11 in March of next year, which is really exciting. Um, but yeah, a big 10. And I'm, I'm really blessed and grateful to be there because I've just seen the impact that eating disorders have on individuals, especially now I work as an eating disorder recovery coach. And so I work with individuals with eating disorders all across the nation. And I see the toll that these have. And so I, I always reflect and step back and think about how lucky I am that I had the resources available, that I had insurance, that I had some things that a lot of individuals in our nation do not have. And that's my mission as a coach is to make sure that people have access to recovery and to resources, regardless of their socioeconomic status, because 
you should never be held back from life just because of your income or your insurance ability or whatever it is. And that's something that I'm really passionate about. And I just sit back and think about how thankful I am that my community stepped up for me and that they showed up for me and that I was able to recover because I know so many are not that lucky. Um, and so that's it really just I'm really grateful. Wow. First of all, congratulations, 10 years of being recovered. That is an incredible number. And to just think that next year you'll be at 11 years, just congratulations. I can imagine, I mean, as someone who has gone through recovery as well, just how much work it is to maintain being in that space of being recovered is a lot of work. And so for me, it's only been probably two or three years of being in the space of recovery, and it's still something that I navigate each day. I want to rewind a little bit as well because I think, you know, as you were telling your story, you painted a really beautiful picture of how people who struggle with eating disorders and mental health, how hidden of an illness they really are. And so I think a big barrier, you know, to raise awareness in this space is I feel like people don't know how to have conversations about these topics. And so I feel like you know, we're doing a really great job of having conversations about mental health. And I feel like this is the most I've heard people talk with one another about how they are doing with regards to their mental health. And so, you know, one thing I really appreciate about these sorts of conversations between two people who have struggled with an eating disorder is that we are painting a picture of what it actually looks like to struggle and hopefully encourage others if they are struggling to start to have that conversation with another individual. Or if you're on the other side and you have a family member, a friend, or a loved one who you might suspect is struggling with eating, to take that courageous step and begin to have that conversation. You had just mentioned a little bit ago that you are an eating disorder recovery coach. So... Can you tell us a little bit more about what that work looks like for you and as you work with your clients? I'd love to. And I want to say also congratulations for your recovery journey for how, for your two years. Like it is, it is hard. And I think a lot of people don't recognize that. And I actually created in Arizona, which would be really fun if we do nationally. So if anyone knows how to do this, let me know. But in Arizona, I created a proclamation for recovery celebration day in our state, because so often I think that we focus on the disorder, whether it be an addiction to a substance or alcoholism or an eating disorder and mental health. We so often when we think about recovery, think very very closely on the disorder and about, you know, the statistics and the awareness and all those kinds of things, which are great. But we also forget to celebrate how far we've come. And so that's why I created that day here in Arizona. So let's make it a national day because that would be really fun. But <laughs> just to celebrate recovery because it is hard and we, we should we all need to remember to take a step back and celebrate it because you've done a great job and it's not linear and it, it's an up and down roller coaster type of ride. And so it is really incredible whatever progress you're able to make to, to celebrate and be excited about it. But I'll tell you about Steps a little bit. So Steps is my business. I had no idea that I'd start a business. That was never like in my life's plan. I never was like, let's be a business girl. Like, no, I was a PR girl for a really long time and really loved that. Um, but I had seen the need in my community. I actually listened to a podcast that was by Holly Lowry. And it's no longer on, but she's affiliated with Ophelia's Place in New York. And she was an eating disorder recovery coach. And when I had listened to her podcast, she had all these great guests. And I I was like, well, like, that's really cool. Like I just had never heard of anything like that before. We didn't have 
eating disorder recovery coaches in Arizona. I was at when I started the only one. And so that was something that I was like, okay, that sounds actually really helpful for people. And I was listening to her podcast and I reached out and I was like, how the heck do I get started with this? And I kind of looked at how she had started her journey into it. And um, so I went and I got certified and figured it out and used Google to its highest extent to start a business because I had no idea what I was doing and just really like Googled everything and LegalZoom.com like got me through. So it was, it was quite an interesting journey. Um, and I just did it and I said yes and I jumped in head first and I figured it out and now I, I'm represented in I think 20 different states throughout our nation, which is really beautiful. And I just really hope to help people all across our nation who are struggling with eating disorders. I think it's so important to have someone to talk to. And so as a coach, I wear many hats. I do many different things. So I Zoom with people during a mealtime. So like, let's say you're having, you're tackling up your food or you're struggling with meal times, I can hop on a Zoom with you and be able to just sit and chat with you and hang out and make sure that, you know, we're in a good headspace while you're tackling that little adventure. And then I also help people. I have worksheets and different um, introspective type activities so that we can get to some of the ground roots of eating disorders and help kind of work through them. I'm also just a resource and a friend. It's so important to have someone who's been through an eating disorder to talk to because it's very different from anything that anyone else understands from a parent or a friend or anything. And so it's important to have someone who has been through it too, and that you can kind of confide into a certain extent. That's a healthy confidentiality. That's not someone who's going to, you know, trigger you or bring up anything or try to inflect their eating disorder on you. Like it's very important to have someone who's a healthy space that you can talk to that understands. And so to work with me, you also have to be working with a nutritionist or dietitian and a therapist. So I'm not um, a substitute for either of those things. So you make sure that you're still doing that whole party. If you need resources for those kinds of things, people let me know and I'm able to connect them with people all across the globe. Um, the treatment centers with different resources. It's all on my website, which is stepsrecoverycoach.com. Little plug. So that's kind of how and it has more information as far as like what my abilities are, what I'm able to do, what I, how, how we're able to hang out together. But um, it's really cool. It's really special to be a part of that journey in someone's life because I've been there and it's been really eye opening as a coach. Like I remember getting a phone call from a parent who had a nine year old in the hospital with an eating disorder. And she was like, I don't even have any idea what an eating disorder is. And this kid was nine, like nine years old. And like, I think, yes, I was 10 when I started struggling with mine, but like nine just seemed so like crazy to me. I was like, wow, that's just, you know, it's so young. And like, how is that? How is that real? And um, so it's just, it's so necessary that we have people for others to reach out to. Like, I think back to when I was struggling that my mom and I that night didn't know where to go. And so just to have a website, just to have someone to be like, hey, like, what do I do? Like, it's just monumental in this space. And so I've had clients from nine years old to 73 years old. And that tells you that eating disorders don't discriminate. They don't necessarily go away. It's something that you have to work for for the rest of your life. You have to work towards and make sure that you're diligent with and that you can fully recover. You can celebrate life again. You won't have to think about it, but to stay on top of it, you know, and just make sure that you're taking care of yourself and that no one's immune to this kind of thing. So um, it's taught me a lot about the space. <laughs> that is like really inspiring to hear you talk about how you've turned your struggle into, you know, your life's work and your now career. 
I find that really inspiring, especially because I would love to be able to move in the direction that you are currently at right now. So first of all, thank you for creating that space for others who are struggling. I never received any sort of formal treatment for my eating disorder, and so recovery was something that I like kind of navigated all on my own, and I even denied having an eating disorder when I was living with it. And so I just really commend you, and I want to thank you for being a resource to others now as they go throughout their own recovery journey and navigating what that looks like for them. That's a really good point, too. And the fact that like a lot of individuals don't think that they're struggling with an eating disorder. But something that I say that I think really helps is that if eating disorders or if the thought of food, let's say, okay, just the thought of food. So like what I'm making for breakfast, what I'm making for lunch, dinner, whatever it is. If the thought of food is taking up like a portion of your mental space, I would say more than like 10 to 20 percent. That's, we have disordered eating. We have an issue, okay? Because we don't need to be focusing that much. I don't focus that much on how to breathe. Like, it's just food. Like, it's just eating, okay? So, like, we don't need to freak out about it that much. And so, I think that's kind of where if you have a struggle with just thinking about food all the time or what you're going to eat or how you're going to eat or you're not eating and then you're binging at the end of the night or you're eating a ton throughout the day and you're it's just consuming your mental space, you deserve help for that. And it doesn't have to be a full-fledged eating disorder. It doesn't have to go by DSM-5 rules. Like if you are being limited in your life because of food, you deserve help and point blank period. And that's that's okay to get help for that. And just not to think that you have to have this whole big thing that has to be this whole production because sometimes it's not. And I actually would prefer to help you when it's not the whole big production because we can we can figure it out a lot easier and a lot quicker and make sure that you're healthy and you know are able to move on to a really fulfilling and incredible life. And so that's a great point too, is just to make sure that if food is taking up any of your mental space, you deserve help. 110%, and I couldn't agree with you anymore based upon that. You had just mentioned that it is incredibly helpful for you to have also gone through an experience of living with an eating disorder and having gone through recovery while you serve as a coach. Would you be willing to talk a little bit more in detail about what your recovery process looked like and how that progressed? Yes, my recovery process was in no way uh, normal. I don't think, okay, great. Okay, no one's is, right? Okay. But it was um, a journey and a half, I will say. I remember my very first therapist I sat down with and so I had a really big issue with like, I was so fearful that my mom was going to die. So after my dad had passed away, you learn that your parents aren't invincible. And I was terrified that my mom was going to pass away. And I was like, what am I going to do? Like, she's my person. Like, she's my whole heart. Like, what am I going to do? And I remember this therapist told me to write a will and or told my mom to write a will. And I remember how much that freaked me out. Like as an adult, yes, is that good advice? Sure. But then I was like, no, that's like literally sealing the deal that like she's going to pass away. Like absolutely not. And so just making sure that you are optimistically cautious when it comes to therapy, I think is really important because and advocate for your children. Like I was so thankful that like I told my mom how uncomfortable that made me and how upset that made me. And that she was like, all right, no go. Like let's find someone else, you know? And wow, that wasn't, a great process to find someone else and to figure something else out. Like 
I was very glad to have someone with me to help me do so. And I think, again, like as a recovery coach, I can help you figure that out. But I, I just think being cautiously optimistic, like don't settle into a therapy or a therapist because you just want to get better right away or you just want to solve the problem because granted, we all want to do that. And it is so hard to live with an eating disorder or any sort of substance abuse or mental health or anything. And we want you to get help and we want you to have that cure. But it's so important that you're working with someone who is able to actually help you and is able to understand where you're coming from and what you need and just the path that you want to take. Like some people need religious counseling. Like if you're a big believer in God and you're super Christian, like you need that as a part of your foundation. Or some people need more artistic based counseling. And so just knowing what you need and being able to do the work to get there while you're already in a very difficult place in your life is important and it is just hard. And so I think that that was something that I struggled with when I was getting help was I kind of bebopped around to a couple of different therapists because I was just like, I don't really vibe with any of these people. And I think even now as an adult, like I still am cautiously optimistic about therapy and make sure that what I'm hearing and what I'm getting is fulfilling the needs that I have and that I'm not just settling or just being comfortable with someone, it's just that it needs to still help me. And um, I think that that's really important to look out for. I also um, was med- I was on a medication when I was first going through my eating disorder. I decided to get help through a um, anti-anxiety medication, and that is something that really helped me. And so, you know, while medication isn't the answer for everyone, I don't think it should be like the go-to necessarily, but I I do think that it helps. And I went back on it when I was crowned Miss Arizona, actually, because I thought to myself, I was like, I'd been off of it for quite a few years, but I was like, listen, Miss Arizona is like the most stressful, like crazy time of anybody's lives. Like people don't just put themselves through this kind of thing normally. And I was like, I'm just going to go back on it proactively just to know, like, just to make sure that I'm, you know, doing well throughout the year. I wanted to take care of myself. And so just to make sure that you don't necessarily shy away from things like that, it might seem a little bit scary. And the same thing as with therapy, different medications take a long time to figure out what works and what doesn't. But I think that it is something that does really help a lot of people. And so not to be afraid of it, if that is something that helps you. I also was able to join an outpatient program, which I think is really incredible. There's a lot of outpatient and inpatient programs across the nation. And mine helped me figure out how to cook again and be able to talk about my emotions with other people and be in a group setting where I didn't feel so alone. And I think that that is also really helpful. There's different, even just group therapy in general, I think can be really helpful if you use it wisely. Obviously, be cautious when it comes to connecting with those individuals outside of a therapy session. Um, But I think that group therapy in and of itself really helps if you're struggling with feeling very alone in your disorder, that it really helps normalize that what you're going through. You know, I, I remember looking in the mirror one day and saying, you're not the only person who's gone through an eating disorder, and you're going to get through it. And that really helped me to just kind of put it in perspective of like, all right, I'm not the only person that's ever had to figure this out. So like, we're going to do it. Like, it's going to be okay. And so I think just taking those tools into mind when you are exploring how you're going to recover and knowing that it's different for everyone. Some people go to therapy and have a nutritionist and take that route. And some people are able to do self-help type of activities and able to get help online and things like that. So, and especially now in the day and age that we're in, there's so much technology and so much research behind different ways that we can all help each other without even having to spend the money for therapy or if your insurance doesn't cover it. And so knowing that those types of opportunities are available 
goals. So if you need help figuring any of that out, like please, please, please give me a call because there's so much out there that can just help you without having to break the bank or figure anything out that's super crazy and just being able to support yourself too. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. I think one thing that continued to come to my own mind as I heard you talking is just how important it is to be self-aware while you are doing this work and to not be afraid to respond to the narrative and the messaging that your body is giving you and to not be afraid to act on that. I think that for me, that is really hard to do because that means I have to put myself first for once and I'm the type of person that loves to put others first and make sure their own needs are being met. And then, you know, I just kind of put myself last and I very much so have fallen into the trap of, you know, people pleasing with a therapist and just sticking with the first one because that's what was available and I'm going to try to make this work and whatnot. But as I've continued on my own journey, not only with my mental health, but, you know, in recovery as well, I need to trust the messaging and narrative that my body is telling me and be okay with maybe disappointing others in the process, which is something that I also struggle with as well. And it's so important that as you're navigating your own recovery, that it's okay to put yourself first. You are the most important person in your life, and that may bring about a lot of discomfort. And that might be something that you have to learn how to navigate a little bit better. But I just love how as I was hearing you talk, that you really made it clear that it's so important, no matter where you're at on your own journey, to honor your own needs and be okay with taking action to meet those needs as well. So I really want to commend you for painting such a beautiful picture with regards to that. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's also beauty in sitting in some forms, you know, and of being okay with the status quo sometimes. Like, I'm not saying that like you have to join a therapist and be like, are you perfect for me right now? Like it, it does take time and like, it is definitely a process. And so just making sure that like, it's okay to sit in uncomfortability when it comes to recovery and to be able to just, you know, kind of go with the flow for a little bit too, and just not think that you need to be this advocate for yourself all the time, 24 seven, but making sure that you are also just kind of following the process because it is going to be so foreign and, you know, challenging. And so it's okay to feel uncomfortable and to kind of go through those waves for a little bit too. So there's, there's plus, plus sides to both sides, I would say. Absolutely. And it's so hard to trust the process when you're in the middle of it because you are unlearning so much of the narrative that has been going on in your mind and you're like no way in heck do i want to just continue to do what they're telling me to do and continue to eat fear foods and doing all of that and so it is so so hard to trust the process but as someone who is on the other side of the process to know what it feels like to have as much freedom as i do now it is so worth going through all of those incredibly anxiety-ridden moments of me sitting with food and working through that discomfort. So I just really appreciate how you are encouraging individuals to be okay with sitting with that discomfort because, as you know as well, it's in those moments of discomfort that we really grow and learn the most. I remember someone told me your worst day in recovery is better than your best day with an eating disorder. And I mean, it's so true. 
Absolutely. So another question I have for you is, what would you say to someone who doesn't think that recovery is possible for them? I would say to do it scared. That sounds like you're scared. And that's okay. It's okay to be scared. This is scary. Okay. This is not an easy thing to say yes to, to sign up for, to submit yourself for. And so it's okay to be scared and just to do it scared. Because I will tell you my life in recovery, my life as being a recovered individual is incredible. And I would not take a single ounce of my eating disorder back, regardless of how much it says that it would make me happy or it would solve all my problems or whatever my eating disorder would pretend to tell me that day. I know for a fact that my life now is so beautiful and incredible and just outstanding. There are things that I would have never accomplished had I had an eating disorder. Honestly, I probably wouldn't be here today if I still had my eating disorder. And that's really scary, but that's really true. Eating disorders are one of the deadliest mental illnesses only right behind opioid abuse. And so it's it's a real testament to the fact that this is scary. This is real life. This is something that you're going through, but do it scared because every single day that you just wake up and choose a little win, or you just have a day of no losses, or you have one loss instead of three, like whatever it is that you are able to accomplish that day, just know that that is so much better than having to sit in this place that you're in. And that recovery is so possible for every single person. And that I've helped people recover, like I said, from across the nation, all types of ages, all types of socioeconomic backgrounds. And I've seen it possible for every single person. So why not you? Absolutely. Another question I have for you is, how can we best support individuals who are struggling with an eating disorder and or going through recovery? I feel like that is one thing that I get asked a lot of, and I have my own answer, but I am curious to know from your perspective as well. It's so important to, there's two things. Number one, listen. And I think that we so often try to solve problems as a society, especially if it's someone that you're close to, like a family member or a friend, you want to help them, you want to fix them and just know that that's not your job. And your job is to listen and to support them and to be there for them. My other favorite thing, I actually learned this from a nonprofit called Circles of Change. They're now called the Everybody is Beautiful Project. But one of my favorite things that they ever taught me was that you don't have to change the world, you just have to change your circle. And the power that we have in our own personal circles throughout our communities and just to be able to not bring language that is harmful into your own space. And so, for example, my friends, I laugh that I've like trained them almost, but, it's, you know, we all... We don't talk about our food. Like we don't talk about foods in a negative way. We don't talk about our bodies in negative ways. And that's something that's so helpful for me, but isn't, you know, common. Like it is everyone's first instinct when they're in a situation to talk about the new year diet or the kale that they're trying or like, I don't even know like what diets people are on these days, like whatever weird random keto, whatever it is, like that's like conversation now. Like it's so a part of our society. Diet culture is so a part and so ingrained into us as humans that it's just part of our everyday conversation. And so I think that if you're someone who doesn't have an eating disorder or you don't struggle with this, making sure that you're getting that type of language out of your space because it's not helpful for anyone. And just to be that positive influence in your friend group. Like I remember I will one of my friends, she said something negative about her body the other day. And my other friend was like, Oh, name five things that you love about yourself. I didn't even have to do that. Like they did that on their own. (laughs) That's like, 
that's when you know it's so cool. And like we have the potential to be better humans. And so just to show up in spaces like that and to kind of get that type of language out of your space is so important and so helpful if you have someone who's in recovery in your corner or in your life, or even if you don't, like why do we need to even talk about that in the first place? Like let's just get that kind of conversation out and be able to have, I mean, I'd rather hear about your vacation plans or what book you're reading or you know there's so many other things that we can talk about as a society that like I don't know why we talk about our bodies bodies and food all the time um and so I would just challenge you to do that I would challenge you to listen to the individual if they need you if they need help and be there for them as a sounding board don't try to fix them but then also to challenge yourself to change the conversations that you're having in your own circle again you don't have to change the world you don't have to tell everybody to follow this rule but if you can change the conversations in the way that you're approaching food and eating just in your own personal circle, it makes a huge difference in the lives of everyone involved, I think. Absolutely. And I feel like that's something that I am learning to do as well, because I will say that, you know, I do hear comments from time to time, whether it be from family members or friends that are still somewhat triggering for me as I'm still in the space of recovery. And I've also had to do my own job of vocalizing that some of these comments make me uncomfortable. So, for example, this was around Thanksgiving time and um, a family member of mine had gone to go get another piece of pie. And another family member had made a comment about it and I was like, we're not going to talk about how much pie that person is eating. It's what they want. So let's honor that. And I think it kind of shocked some of my family members a little bit. But also... Like, I want to make sure that I'm doing my job as well to ensure that everyone that I interact with can feel comfortable around food and not feel so on edge or self-conscious about what it is that they're choosing to consume. Like, let's honor that. Who cares? It's not your body. Let everyone do their thing and you focus on yourself. So I really appreciate how you had talked about, you know, even if you aren't closely connected with someone who is struggling with an eating disorder or is in recovery, that you can do your job of being proactive and really learn to shift the narrative that diet culture has very much so ingrained in our society and what we choose to give our attention to the most. So thank you so much for that insight, as well as how we can best support someone in recovery. So the title of this podcast is Embracing You. How does the process of going through recovery help us embrace ourselves a little more? I think that the job of recovery is all about embracing yourself and like embracing the highs and the lows and everything that comes with it. And that's one of the most beautiful parts is that you learn so much about yourself. I think I grew up more in the process of recovery than I ever had in my entire life, just because you are constantly being introspective and thinking about what you're feeling, thinking about, you know, how you're processing different things. And so it really helps you get better as a human and like become a better human. And that's really cool to have those tools where like, now if I'm in an argument with someone or if I have a really hard situation that I'm facing at work, like I'm able to be very introspective and to think about how my actions are affecting others. I'm able to, I'm very empathetic to begin with, which is like a whole issue in a handbasket because I just love people and like want to help all the time. But 
I will say, I think that the job of recovery is all about embracing others and embracing just the lessons that we learn all throughout just what we're able to accomplish as individuals. So that's really important to me. Yeah. And I think it also requires us to look beyond what our bodies look like and what we've, you know, defined ourselves to be for however long it is that you had been struggling for and to really go back to who we are as a person and rediscover those innate qualities that make us us. And we have to befriend these qualities again and really allow those to define who we are and not let our bodies define who we are as well. And to really just embrace the living entity that is inside, which I think you did a really nice job of explaining right there. So thank you for that. Are there any other final words of encouragement or advice you'd like to give listeners today about what we've been having a conversation around? Oh gosh, I have so much advice. Like it's just, <laughs> there's there's so much to this conversation. Like I could literally talk to you for hours and hours. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I learned during my journey and that I take away and think about to this day is that you matter and that you are meant to go through this and survive it. And I think that we often can feel really defeated by this process and that it can be very challenging. But I think that there's so much on the other side of this that is so worth it and that the community here is incredible. I would absolutely recommend getting involved with different organizations in your community, different nonprofits. I personally work with the National Eating Disorder Association and I plan the walk here in Arizona. So that will be in March. If anyone wants to come on out and party with me, that's where I'll be. Um, And you can follow us at, I think it's PHX Needle Walk, N-E-D-A. And that is really fun. That was one of the first places that I showed up. And I was 16, I think at the time. And I had seen this walk, I think on the news or on social media or something. And I was like, well, you know, I, I don't, I'm not really recovering. I have no idea what I'm doing, but like, maybe I can just like come to this and like, figure it out, you know? And so I actually like drove myself there by myself, went to the walk and was able to get a lot of resources and meet a lot of people who are in our community who I'm now, you know, very connected with today, who were not only able to help me, but now help our entire communities and a lot of nonprofits, a lot of treatment centers. And so those types of events have great resources. If you're in a spot where you're like, I don't know where to start, I don't know what to do, you know, seeking out events or like, like I said, the, um, uh, like group therapy sessions are great. They, a lot of treatment centers have them open to the public. And so it's usually totally free to go and you can sit and just listen. Like you don't even have to talk, like, don't be afraid to go. Like you literally do not have to talk. You can just sit there and listen and just feel not alone. So just make sure that if you are dealing with this right now, that you find your community, you find people that help you and that will walk this fight with you because again, you deserve recovery. You deserve to come out on the other side of this because life is so incredible. Like I would not imagine. And if I talked to my 10 year old self and even my 16 year old self and told them that I was going to be Miss Arizona, they would laugh in my face. Like it is 
wild the things that I have accomplished in recovery. And I granted, I know that they are more than most people would ever bite off and chew, but I am very, very honored for the path that I've walked. And I just want to say that it wasn't easy, but it was worth it and that you can get help too. And so make sure that you're utilizing your community, utilizing people who are passionate about this. Listening to podcasts like this is a great start, a great, you know, a ability to get connected with individuals. Um, you can follow my business at steps underscore recovery on Instagram. My personal is Melody Faith, M-E-L-O-D-Y-Y-F-A-I-T-H. And my Miss Arizona account is Miss America AZ. So lots of places to connect with me. If you have any questions, if you're ever like, hey, I just want to talk to someone. Hey, I just need help. Like, please feel free to reach out. Uh, my website, like I said, is stepsrecoverycoach.com. My email's on there. So again, feel free to reach out. Feel free to connect with me. I'm here for you. And I think that that's something that's so important is that we have people here to help you. And that, you know, I'm one of those people, but I know that there's so many people across our nation who are ready to help. So make sure that you reach out and um, celebrate your accomplishments today. Have a great day. Like drink a cup of coffee, do something good for yourself. Just, you know, really take care of yourself because you don't know how long this life affords us. And we are just so thankful to be here and just get to celebrate every little moment. And I know personally, I will be um, going out tonight and I'm going to go to dinner with some friends and, you know, be able to hang out with a lot of my close friends that are in town for the holidays. And so that's something that life affords you is just to have fun. So make sure you have fun, make sure you enjoy life and just let me know if you need anything at all. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much, Melody, and I'll be sure to include links and handles to all of your social media accounts as well in the show notes. So if listeners would like to interact with you, they can know where to find you. Melody, I just want to thank you again so much for all of your time, your insight, your wisdom, um, and all the work that you're currently doing in the space of raising awareness around eating disorders and continuing to open the door to have those conversations about another hidden illness that is more prevalent than I think individuals think. So thank you again so much for your time. And I am just so, so grateful that we had the opportunity to connect with one another today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, everybody, I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Uh, I am very much so looking forward to continue collaborating with Miss Arizona, so stay tuned on some upcoming events that we will hopefully be collaborating on in the near future. So until next time, I hope you continue to honor where you are at on your own journey. You love the skin that you are in, you love the entity that is living within, And most importantly, you honor, embrace, and love yourself for who you are right here, right now, and always. Much love.